the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. While calls for the reduction and elimination of drug testing on animals have increased in recent years, the solution may well revolutionize the entire drug discovery and development process. Dr. Eric Merle is the Chief Business Innovation Officer at Genoskin. Eric, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Maura. Uh, you know, we've grown so used to first you test your drug in animals, and and uh, and and we pick animals that are close to humans wherever the drug is going to be used or needed. Such as human insulin is very close to pig insulin, but um, it never occurred to me that we could be working on a drug for humans and we couldn't find an animal to test it in. Yeah, there, there are plenty of diseases uh, in which an animal model just can't uh, be found. Whether the disease is rare or common, actually being able to reproduce a disease in an animal takes a lot of work. Um, that's how our company was started when we realized, actually, our founder and CEO, Pascal Descargues, when he was in San Diego, Doing a postdoc, he uh, found that a skin disease that was uh, dramatic on uh, human babies uh, was unable to be reproduced in animal models. There were no animal models that could reproduce that disease, and yet he would try. He was trying to find a solution to that disease. So he looked at the problem a different way. Is there a way to? not just reproduce something, but can you leverage what already exists? Can you take something that might not be as needed or no longer needed and use it to generate data on it? And he realized that there was plenty of human skin that was just thrown away post-surgeries. Uh, and uh, that's how he started the company. He went to a, a local hospital and uh, got the authorizations to be able to use that tissue and uh, afterwards was able to maintain that tissue alive, maintain its properties, and study the disease in that tissue. How long can you keep such tissue alive? So depending on the technologies, and technologies can always improve, um, we today have uh, the ability to maintain it uh, viable, functional, for 10 days. So you get in there, you get the skin, and you start working on it with your drug. Uh, what are the advantages of working with skin? Well, the advantages of working with skin is, one, it's available. It's something that is commonly available, albeit it needs a lot of uh, ethical review board authorizations. Uh, you can't just work on human tissues just like that, you have to get the, the approval of the patient. You have to get the approval of the ethic review boards. And um, then key to, to using that tissue is maintaining its properties. And that was really the, 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 the key driver to the technologies that we've developed. So maintaining the immunocompetency of the tissue, the ability to find the immune cells within the tissue, to understand how there is the crosstalk, the function, um, the uh, understanding the molecular signature of the tissue, uh, so that when you 
introduce a drug, um, depending on the, the route of administration, whether you're going to do it topically, such as a cream, or you're going to inject it, or you're going to uh, provide it to the tissue uh, as if it were an injection in a human being, um, you can look at what happens in the tissue. And because you have such a large amount of that functional organ, you can compare different conditions, something that you can't do in a clinical trial. I keep thinking about how in clinical trials you give one person or a set of people one dose and then another set of people another dose and another set of people still another dose. And you say, well, what dose should we have looking at all these different people? Can you give multiple doses to the same skin? You can, because actually it is separated in small units. We make small units that are about an inch in size, and uh, that will allow you to look at these different conditions. And in a typical surgery, we can do roughly 50 of those for one individual. So you can think of looking at multiple conditions and doing replicates so that from a scientific perspective, you're also uh, very sound. And um, then look at how those minute sometime changes can have very large changes on the body. You know, we have another aspect that we see in clinical trials is that we want to look at different ages. We want to look at different ethnicities and sometimes even different medical conditions. Are those able to be distinguished here as well? Yes. In the majority of cases, yes. The, the diversity um, and the heterogeneity of the population that is going to be the patient population that we find uh, among our our, our uh, neighbors and, uh, and and family members, uh, they all have different age groups, are all different ethnic uh, backgrounds. You have uh, uh, males, females, and 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 so all that has to be represented when you do a clinical trial. And the FDA just recently actually stated that uh, when uh, one particular drug was uh, brought to their attention and was tested on only one particular group, they requested that it be tested on something more representative of the overall population. Luckily, those surgeries are so common that they replicate the human diversity. So we can have men, women, we can have different age groups, we can have different backgrounds. And uh, so that, that is a great uh, opportunity to, to have this type of diversity uh, in, in a clinical trial. So much of what you're saying to me sounds not only like research, it sounds like an ongoing, ever-expanding research base. Um, how do you work with drug companies? You just mentioned it. We are a research partner. So we come in to answer questions. We work with various pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, academia, uh, to answer pointed questions. What will happen? What's inside that black box? Because often in a clinical trial, you'll see the end result. You may not see all the different steps, all of the different pathways, and understanding that, understanding the biomarkers of what will be the effect of a particular drug in a full human being is key to accelerating uh, the speed at which we can develop drugs. 
So even if you have a good matching animal, you really want to see what it's going to do in humans before you get to live human testing. Even the best research animal is just an animal. Just before the COVID pandemic hit, the Environmental Protection Agency of the U.S., that's the EPA, declared that starting in 2035, there would be no more testing in mammals for the research it funded, the uh, the EPA funded, and they awarded millions of dollars to, to search out alternatives. The Veterans Administration, the Veterans Affairs, declared no more testing in dogs and cats after 2025. Even the Department of Agriculture, they've already banned research using cats. I mean, the trend is clear. The goal is for animal testing to be retired. It seems to me that GenoSkin is, fits right in with those trends. Absolutely. It's a, uh, a desire of the greater public. It's a request of the regulatory bodies. And uh, it is a need of the pharma and biotech industry uh, to do better, uh, to uh, have better solutions. The attrition rate, the failure rate between data that you can generate in animals and what then happens when you bring it to human is over 90%. So we can improve that. And by obtaining or having the ability to obtain human data before you do any testing in human, not only makes it less risky, but it will improve uh, the number of drugs that will be developed. It will improve our understanding of those pathways, our understanding of how we can solve uh, a little baby's uncurable disease. Now, Many people don't realize it, but it's on average 12 to 15 years from the lab bench to an approved product. As you say, 90%, it's like one out of nine succeeds somewhere in there, one out of 10. Um, What in that process can accelerate and what do we have to live with? What, how could it be shrunk, if you will, versus, well, some of this just takes time. It takes time. Recruiting patients, even in a clinical trial, takes an enormous amount of time. Uh, Reproducing that diversity, finding patients that are of different age groups, finding patients that are of different different ethnic backgrounds, that takes time. The sheer uh, ability to find patients that are willing to test a drug that's unknown that takes a lot of time. And the clin- the preclinical aspect that's currently being done essentially on animals and also on cell cultures um, that may be human cell cultures, but they are cell cultures, so they don't reproduce the 3D environment, which is our organ. There's not the metabolism uh, that you have in a normal human organ. Um, so that period of time that's in the preclinical stage that usually takes on average today in, in drug development about five to seven years. That can be shortened um, because the data that we can obtain can be human data already. So you can really compress that five to seven years. And you were mentioning nine drugs. Well, can we think that maybe it won't be one out of nine? Maybe it'll be three out of nine? I would uh, maybe be shocking and say, why can't it be nine out of nine? Why can't we be certain that a drug will work in a human and that the question isn't whether it works or not, but 
how well does it work? And then our efforts are on developing the better drugs. Well, I have to say, Eric, going back to the idea that you are research partners with these drug companies, it's almost like every relationship and within that relationship, every project you have pushes that frontier forward. It does. It's exciting every day. So uh, we have projects with partners that are uh, short projects, take a couple months. We have projects that are now year-long projects where we are part of the drug development. The industry is changing, and uh, we are very fortunate to be part of it. Well, I've been waiting to the end to finally ask you this question. Where do you get the skin? There are plenty of surgical procedures uh, today that skin is, uh, can be sourced from. And uh, there are a lot of patients that undergo surgeries such as tummy tucks that want to get rid of that skin. And when you tell them that they have the ability to participate in research as an alternative to animal testing, but also an alternative to some human testing, a way of accelerating drug development, most people will say, you know what, instead of throwing it away, please use it. That's amazing. I do want a tummy tuck. And I can actually do good at the same time. You can. You can. Eric, this was just terrific. I hope you come back and see us again. It will be a pleasure. Thank you very much, Maura. Dr. Eric Merle is the Chief Business Innovation Officer at Genoskin. More information is available on the web at genoskin.com. That's genoskin, G-E-N-O, skin, genoskin.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.